Good morning. How are we all doing this morning? Good. I like speaking to you, so I often get lots of feedback. So good morning. How are we doing this morning? Good. Online, I hope we are doing well as well. My name is Adam. I have the privilege um, of serving here as our youth pastor. And I've also got the privilege um, and blessing of being the father of an amazing little boy. And I thought, why not take this opportunity to show a cute photo of Lincoln? Can everyone say, oh, I think he is the cutest little boy ever. You might disagree because you might also have a cute little child, but um, I think Lincoln's particularly cute. He is um, an absolute bundle of fun. He's nearly 18 months old. He's energetic, curious, crazy, loves to climb everything, loves to run, loves to just go off on his own. Yet when we leave, he gets frustrated. It's like, it's, it's lots happening all at the same time. The interesting thing about being a parent of such a young child is that up until now, parenting has very much been around keeping him alive. Like if I can have the basic things of like food, water, like a place for him to sleep and change his nappy, more or less things are gonna be pretty sweet. But Cheeky Link can get a little bit excited from time to time. I don't know if you've seen The Incredibles before. Jack Jack is the baby, the child of the Incredible family. And every once in a while, he gets so rallied up and he gets so crazy that he bursts out in a bowl of flame. Now, Lincoln doesn't quite blow up in a ball of flame, but sometimes when he's super excited and you're holding him or giving him a cuddle, he gets so excited and so full of energy that the only way he can express this energy is by holding your face. The problem with energy and wanting to hold your face is this comes across as a very big repeated slap across the face. <laughs> And then when we react, he thinks it's a game. And so it happens again and again. It's hard because I want to be explaining to Lincoln that hitting is not nice. I'm not a fan of the hitting. I had my wisdom teeth out a few weeks ago. The hitting was not nice. I was not a fan. I want Lincoln to grow up with good values, good morals. I want him to have a grasp of what's appropriate in the public space. And I find myself wondering, how do I discipline a child under the age of 18 months? Any advice, please let me know. I'm soliciting. You can actually give me the advice this week. It's not unsolicited, unwanted advice. The thing is though, discipline isn't something that should only be of interest to us with children in our care. As disciples, discipline should be something of interest to us all. As we dive into the Scripture today, we'll be unpacking how we may receive discipline from God's hand and how the destination will always be formational and life-giving. We'll be reading today through the book of 2 Samuel chapter 24, verses 1 through 17, if you want to read along with me. Again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel and He incited David against them, saying, Go and take a census of Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab and the army commanders, Go with him. Go through the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and enrol the fighting men so that I may know how many there are. 
But Joab replied to the king, May the Lord your God multiply the troops a hundred times over and may the eyes of my Lord the king see it. But why does my Lord the king want to do such a thing? The king's word, however, overruled Joab and the army commanders. So they left the presence of the king to enrol the fighting men of Israel. After crossing the Jordan, they camped near Aroas, um, south of the town in the gorge. And they went through Gad and on to Jazzah. And they went into Gilead, the region of the Tahim Hodshi, and on to Danjan and around towards Sidian. Then they went forward to the fortress of Tyre and all the towns of the Hivites and the Canaanites. And finally, they went on to Beersheba in the Negev of Judah. After they had gone through the entire land, they came back to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and 20 days. Joab reported the number of fighting men to the king in Israel. There were 800,000 able-bodied men who could handle a sword. And in Judah, 500,000. David was conscience stricken after he had counted the fighting men. And he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly against you. I've sinned greatly in what I have done. Now, Lord, I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a very foolish thing. Before David got up the next morning, the word of the Lord had come to Gad the prophet, David's seer. Go and tell David, this is what the Lord says. I'm giving you three options. Choose one of them for me to carry out against you. So Gad went to David and said to him, shall there come you three years of famine in your land or three months of fleecing from your enemies while they pursue you or three days of plague in your land? Now then think it over and decide how I should answer the one who sent me. David said to Gad, I am in deep distress. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord for His mercy is great. But do not let me fall into human hands. So the Lord sent a plague on Israel from that morning until the end of the time designated. And 70,000 of the people from Dan to Beersheba died. When the angel stretched out his hand to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord relented concerning the disaster and said to the angel who was afflicting the people, enough, withdraw your hand. The angel of the Lord was then at the threshing floor of Arunah the Jezebite. When David saw the angel who was striking down the people, he said to the Lord, I have sinned. I, the shepherd, have done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall on me and my family. Does the idea of God disciplining you make you feel uncomfortable? Or does it make you feel accountable and encouraged? The way we think about a coach being disciplined in sport training or or a parent helping a child be accountable in the way that they should be posturing themselves. I think that we should take notes on this and think about discipline in that light. 
When Scripture talks about having a fear of God, it's not telling us to be scared of an almighty being with all the power in the world who wants to overpower you, but rather to be in awe and to show respect to the One who created us. God isn't ridiculing us because we're broken. He wants to see us whole. And David knew this. He knew it would be better to fall into the hands of the Lord for His mercy is great than the the hands that built Him, the hands that make Him whole, the hands that created us, rather than the hands of humanity, the hands who have fallen, who can hurt us, who can tear us down. Kintsugi is the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery. By filling the cracks and the chips with a lacquer made of a precious metal, often gold, the idea being that you're left with a pottery that is whole, beautiful, unique and wonderful. The philosophy behind it is that it treats the breakage and repair as part of its history something to celebrate rather than something to disguise. This process of meticulously and carefully repairing something that is fragile is hard work. It takes time and sometimes in the moment it would feel painful, useless or even frustrating. But in the end, the result is amazing. I think disciplining God's hands is a little bit like that. We need to trust the process and know God has a beautiful outcome in mind. We still, however, often find ourselves asking, so why does God discipline us? And I think firstly, it's because He loves us. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline so you do not lose heart when He rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one He loves. Hebrews 12, 5-6. God disciplines because He loves. He corrects because He cares. I know as a father, I'm still experiencing more and more love from Lincoln each and every day. And when I feel that love in return, my heart just fills with warmth. And I don't think I will ever fully understand the love of God, but I think I'm getting a better picture each and every day. I wonder if with age, discipleship experience, a little, a few more laps around the sun, we will grow to understand God's love and God's grace that little bit more and more every year. God disciplines us because He loves us. And because of that, He absolutely wants the best for us. Blessed is the one you discipline, Lord, the one you teach from your law. You grant them relief from days of trouble. Trouble. Psalm 94, 12 to 13. He wants us to be blessed to be disciplined and accountable. God wants the best for us. And the best here isn't money, fame, fortune, status, or the things that the world likes to elevate as the best for us. 
Rather, the best here is righteousness. As a father, I absolutely want the best for Lincoln. I want him to live to his full potential, to be a faithful disciple of Jesus, to love others, to be a neighbour, to be kind, caring, responsible and accountable. I wonder if God feels similar about us. God disciplines us because three, He's a good father. A father disciples a child in whom he delights. Proverbs 13, 12. A good father disciplines. A great parent helps to shape the future of their child. A great parent cares about the outcome. They're in it for the long haul, through the great times and the rough times. Amongst it all, God is there because He is a good, good Father. Discipline is training or formation that aligns us with Jesus. Training to better align us with the perfect role model. The truth is sometimes training is hard. It can feel like punishment in the moment. But if we stick to it, the outcome is fruitful. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Discipline has everything to do with training and growth. Condemnation has everything to do with guilt and punishment. Discipline in God's hands is formation not condemnation. It's through discipline that we mature. Much like in Sugi, the process may feel frustrating, draining, hard or difficult. We may feel like we've been put through the ringer, but we know that there is always hope. So how does God discipline us? I think team sport actually helps give us a picture of what this may look like in different times. Firstly, discipline from God's hand might look a little bit like a referee. A referee speaks to you directly. They blow their whistle when players don't follow the rules. They go out to the boundary or to others when players are hurt. They blow their whistle so that there can be a pause when a player is spoken to corrected or directed. This conversation with the referee might feel uncomfortable at the time. We might feel that sense of frustration. Why can't we just keep the game going? It's more fun that way. But we recognise that because of the structure the referee brings, it helps everyone to thrive. In verse 24 of the passage we read before, again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel and He incited David against them saying, go and take a census of Israel and Judah. The referee is directive, specific. Discipline in God's hands can look like that and might highlight areas where we need to particularly focus in on when we need to pull our socks up. Discipline from God's hand can also look like a coach. 
Coaches also want you to play within the rules of the game, but their approach might feel a little bit different to the sometimes, you know, alarmist nature of a referee. A coach gives instruction. A coach's support of a coach helps you reach a collective goal, but trusts you and empowers you to make the right decisions yourself. In our passage, we see God speaking through the prophet Gab to go and tell David, this is what the Lord says, I'm giving you three options. A coach helps you to develop the game plan, gives you the resources that you need to succeed. And this training requires discipline and commitment from you. God encourages us to be disciplined in our spiritual rhythms. Be disciplined in Bible and prayer. How are you going with spending 30 minutes a day with Jesus? God calls us to be cheerful givers. How are you practising the discipline of generosity? Holy Spirit has blessed us with amazing gifts. Are you seeking to learn and grow and develop in your spiritual gifts? Discipline from God's hand can look like a coach, encouraging, supportive, and comes with a game plan to follow. And it can look like a teammate. Teammates support you out in the trenches. They help keep you accountable on the field and in turn, their experience, their passion, their skills become tangible things that we want to copy and bring into our own game. 2,000 years ago, when God sent down His one and only Son to be a living sacrifice for us all, He sent the best example of a disciple that there ever was and ever will be. A role model that we should always be seeking to emulate. But Jesus isn't someone who is out of reach because He walked the earth 2,000 years ago and we've missed our chance to learn from Him. He is alive, present, real and still the best role model to this day. And better than that, He wants to know you personally. He wants to come alongside you and and be your teammate out on the field. He wants a deep relationship with you to help you grow in your formation towards righteousness. Discipline in God's hands is formation, not condemnation. Why is it that sometimes through the potential trials and tribulations of the journey, that thoughts of that might even stop us from getting started in the first place? I'm not a massive fan of long walks. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't really understand the concept of having the destination be the point where we started in the first place. On the flip side, I can really appreciate a beautiful destination. A view is amazing and I can appreciate making my way towards that. It doesn't mean I might not moan and groan and carry on a little bit throughout the walk. But I think it's knowing the destination that makes the journey more bearable. Through Jesus, we know what our destination is. 
we should be disciplined in making sure we reach it. If our destination ultimately is righteousness, you bet I wanna take that journey. David's done his fair share of formation. Formation that at times would have been incredibly difficult, feeling the weight of upsetting God. He, he made some significant and terrible mistakes. But through this formation, we see someone known as being a man after God's own heart. The Bible is an incredible collection of testimonies of, of God using ordinary, broken people to do extraordinary things through Him. I think the key insight that we have with David is that he recognised the need for formation, the need for discipline in God's hands. David said to Gad, I am in deep distress. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord for His mercy is great. But do not let me fall into human hands. What if we all took this posture? What if we as as disciples saw discipline as the means and righteousness as the end? if we listened out for that referee's whistle so that we can realign with God in in moments to ensure we're taking steps towards righteousness? What if we sought out support and advice from a coach who has resources and a game plan? And what if we tried to emulate our teammate Jesus in all that He did? Discipline in God's hands is formation for righteousness. Let us mature and become fruitful in God's hands. I want you to stand as we jump into a time of worship and I'd love to pray for us today. God, I thank You that You are good. Lord, I thank You that Discipline at Your hand is is encouraging. It keeps us accountable, Lord. It is formation for an incredible promise. Lord, help us navigate the road to righteousness. Lord, I pray that we can can seek a posture where we where we seek out formation, so we can grow to be more like Your Son, Jesus. Lord, help us mature. In your heavenly name, amen.